You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount tells you about your Christian life, what our Savior calls the blessed life. Through two and a half chapters of St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus tells you what to do, what to pray, and even what to think. Now, you might think that somebody, anybody, trying to put a claim upon the pattern of your mind and the thoughts that go through it, well, that not that just a requirement too far? I mean, who really can tell you what to think and what to ponder? But Jesus doesn't hesitate. Inasmuch as he is Lord over heaven and earth, that also includes the thoughts of your brain. The thoughts of your minds and the meditations of your hearts say, in fact, much more about your relationship to God than anything else. And so this morning, Jesus wants to speak about your anxiety. He wants to talk about that. He comes after it to dispel it. Because it is a symptom of a heart with split loyalties, with two masters. And Jesus will not share his glory with another. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For either either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. I think that our anxieties are precious to us. We have them. It's undeniable. But in some ways, we cherish them. We think we need to be anxious because they keep us mindful, our anxieties, of what bills to pay first, of what needs to be set aside for the kids' tuition, of how we should be scraping and saving for the next time the car breaks down. We think that if we don't worry, if we're not anxious, we're somehow Failing in our duties as adults, being grown-ups. That the person who seems to be not anxious is probably someone we imagine to be immature. They're not taking life seriously like I am. I know the problems I have to face. And I know that my anxiety helps me to, to handle them. Or at least to begin to fight against them. Jesus isn't telling you not to do the right thing to meet your obligations. He's not telling you that it's not right to pay your bills or to to think about your kids and to make sure that they have what they need to eat on the table. What he is saying is that you are not to worry about this. That your anxiety that the pain that you feel in the pit of your stomach when you think about these things, this is wrong. It is not to be found in a Christian. 
Why? Why would Jesus say such a thing? It is because anxiety is fear, love, and trust of an idol. Anxiety and fear are kinds of false worship. They are the marks of piety that bow down before an idol, which Jesus calls money or mammon, the things of this life that people, especially the Gentiles, he says, obsess over. Now, before we go into what is required by this idolatry, I think we have to talk about uh, this term called mammon and what we mean by it and how mammon is synonymous with uh, the enemy that we have in this, in, in this faith, in this, in this Christian life, the, the enemy of the world. Once a young man asked me about how we as Lutherans can talk about, well, I don't know, the gifts of creation, our daily bread, and yet at the same time say such horrible things about the world and the temptations of the world and how the things of this world are always vying for our attention and our worship. He says that it, he, he, he says he told me that uh, it doesn't seem to make sense how something can be both a, a gift and something that is wicked at the same time. So is the stuff of this world good, or is it evil? It's a good question. The answer is that both daily bread and the world, uh, this talks about the same stuff that you put your hands on, you know, your food, your drink, your house, your home, land, animals, and all the other stuff that belongs to daily bread. We have to think about this stuff, first of all, in terms of how God thinks about it. God created this world. He preserves it. He calls it good. And he gives it to you as a gift. But what happens when you take the gift of this creation and you ignore the hand that has given it to you in kindness? In that moment... When you think about the world apart from God as its creator and sustainer and redeemer, in that moment, your daily bread becomes mammon, an idol, something to be feared, something to be chased after. It is a a fleeting necessity that has to be captured and hoarded. It becomes the object of fear, love, and trust. Creation itself cannot be good apart from its creator. Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot be a Christian and anguish over your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. To anguish over these things is to fear, to actually fear and to actually think, to actually believe that you might lose them. That unless these things in this world had the meditations of your mind and your heart, that that unless you provided the sacrifices of time and energy, that they would all run away from you and you would never have them at all. You would no longer have their benefit. Food and drink, clothing and shoes, house and home... 
These are not easy gods to serve. As soon as you gain the fruits of your anxiety through your stress and your work, it turns out that the favor of these gods quickly slips away. You work, you earn a paycheck, use the money to buy food, you eat. Six hours later, you need to eat again. Six hours later, you need to eat again. You pay the mortgage one month, and what happens the next month? It comes due. And the month after that, and the month after that. For some of you, you probably have, what, 25, 30 years left on your mortgage? Right? Then after that, after you even get something paid off, like a car, you think to yourself, finally, I'm getting ahead in this life. Uh, what happens to the car? It breaks down. These gods require sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. They require work after work after work, time, energy, and effort. There's no end to what they demand. Nothing can satisfy them. And so no wonder you're terrified and anxious. Because worshiping these gods is a slavery of the worst kind. A bondage to tyrants that never relent. And then at the end of your lives, what does this, what does this sacrifice and service and worship gain you? Jesus says it doesn't gain you a moment. Not one thing. No amount of food, clothing, and drink can save you from death. From the fact that your life is quickly coming to an end and at a time that you do not know. Not to mention that a slavery to mammon does nothing for your guilty and burdened consciences. Jesus says, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, are you not of more value than they? Jesus knows the idols that vie for your attention. How the devil and his demons are always holding up these objects of worship and fear. But see how Jesus addresses you in the gospel lesson. He doesn't come to you to beat you into submission, to beat the anxiety out of you or anything like that. No, what does he do? He encourages you. He comforts you. He speaks to you in words of love. He reminds you that you have a heavenly Father and you are valuable to him. You are baptized. God has put his name on you. You don't belong to food, clothing, and drink. Because God has made you his child. The devil and the demons, as much as they hold up our food and drink and house and home, they, they are not your masters. They may try to seem powerful in our, in our minds and our hearts, but 
They don't own you. St. Paul says that once, in fear, you were enslaved to these elementary principles, but no longer. You are baptized. You've been taken out of the slavery to idols and placed into a life of freedom towards your God. And so St. Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. By the redemption that you have in Christ Jesus, you are free from fear. You are free from anxiety because you know a God that has given his own son into death to save you. Now the sparrows of the air and the lilies of the field, they can't say this, despite the fact that God loves them so much to give the lilies their beauty and the sparrows their nests and a place to, to, to sleep and to eat and, and to live. God loves them, but he loves you more. God became human flesh, your flesh. Not the flesh of grass or the flesh of a bird. He became, he became man to save you from your sins, to save you from your, from your death. And so when Jesus says, are you, are you not of more value than the, the birds in the grass, you remember, of course I am. God has proved it through the blood of his son Jesus, which is the highest and the most precious gift in all creation. That this blood has flowed because God loved you above everything else. And God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Now, I suppose there might be Christians out there, so-called Christians, who take the saying from Jesus about seeking the kingdom of God and righteousness, and they try to twist it into a kind of formula for works righteousness, right? That if you, if you pursue godliness with works, then God will give you his favor. That if only you love God enough, if only you have enough faith, then God will open up the storehouses of his blessing. But that is a lie. Because you already have God's kingdom. You already have his righteousness. Not by your works, not by your efforts, but by God's mercy, by his free gift of grace. You have the righteousness of God, like I said. The righteousness of Christ himself, draped over you in your baptism. And you have it still. What this means is that you are free from works. Sacrifice to gain favor from either idols, 
in this world, or even from God himself. And if we try to take Jesus' words about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness to turn them into a formula for works righteousness, that only moves the anxiety to another place. It doesn't do away with it. You know, because you are baptized, that to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness is to live a life of faith, of unearned blessing for Christ's sake. It's to hear the word being preached. It's to believe that your sins are forgiven. It's to feast on Jesus' body and blood. Jesus says to be mindful of these things, your heavenly Father's love, the Son's death and resurrection, and the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Jesus says to know God's free grace and favor. To know these wonderful things is to also know that God will not withhold his hand to give you clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, land, animals, and all that we have. That we will have our daily bread and we will have it abundantly. Now, will anxiety creep up on us? Yes, it will. As long as we have this flesh in this life, it's always going to be weak. Anxiety will always be knocking at the door, especially at those times when the devil convinces us that we have scarcity, which is dumb. It's really dumb. I mean, how, who of us lacks for food? If you do, let me know. We have a big room full of food down at the other end of the church building. Just boxes and boxes of it. That's how much God loves us. We have so much food we don't know what to do with. God gives you his daily bread. But the devil is always trying to convince you that it is scarce, you can't find it when you're looking for it, and that tomorrow, maybe if God's kind to me today, maybe that doesn't mean that he'll be kind to me tomorrow, despite the promises based upon the blood and the righteousness of Jesus. But remember, dear saints, that no lack of daily bread can rob you of your salvation. Even if the imaginary uh, scarcity comes true tomorrow, and you go without breakfast, and you go without lunch, or perhaps you even lose a job, and you don't have money to pay a mortgage, when the devil comes to you in that moment and says, well, you see, God's favor, his kindness has finally failed. You're made of stronger stuff. You're baptized. You know the mercy of God, and you know that even if he withholds his hand for a while, he will give it back to you. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord keep us always mindful and in this faith of his salvation. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope.